this summer is, shall we go with the understatement of the season, an unusual one for us. Vacation plans are upended or on hold, family reunions or meetings with friends somewhere else, distant, it isn't in the cards. What seems to be in the cards, though, maybe, is getting out into nature because RV rentals are up, our own Mary Gans and J.D. Benson, ministers who formerly served this congregation, they just got their tricked-out van delivered last week for their cross-country journey. Nature, where air disperses the viral load, and social distancing is already the norm, it's where some of us are heading. Or even if we aren't going there, we can vacation back in our heads to those places, the ones well beyond the four walls that constrain us these days, the places where sky and rock and tree bound our vision. And in that spirit, this poem for this summer season. Grand Canyon, by Joan Baranow. You have come to the edge in your t-shirt and tennis shoes, the trail map snapping in the sudden wind. And there, like nothing you had ever imagined, nothing in the pocket-sized postcards or the traveler's guides is the split continent enormous and jagged, a terrible incision, terribly gorgeous. The late afternoon air pouring in like liquid spilled from far fissures or glacial thaw. Below, invisible, is the green wiry river rubbing against rock, pursuing its prehistoric task. You'd not expected such a vast accident. Your shock, the same as seeing a live heart beating or the blood of a baby's birth, soon, soon you'll descend, shouldering a pack down switchback trails into the open wound where, at dawn, you'll crawl from your nylon tent to watch the sun that rusty iron ball hurl itself over the broken earth. This weekend I saw a Facebook posting from a colleague, and you know what it made me think of? Summertime and the living is easy. Fish are jumping and the cotton is high. Why? Well, because that colleague had a photo of him standing with the backdrop of a lake in the high Colorado mountains and an 18-inch trout he'd caught in his hands. 
They were jumping like crazy, he wrote. Yes, yes, my friends, it is summer. Nature is alive and coming out to play, and we, if we aren't in the microclimates of San Francisco, we're taking off some layers, literally, and also of spirit, shedding some of life's weight, hopefully for a bit. My colleagues in Seattle say it's generally understood that when the weather is good, when the sun is shining there for the, I don't know, 26 days of full sun you get in that part of the world in summer, that people don't come to church and no one faults them. It's expected. I mean, why in the world would you come to church in summer when the sun is shining? This, this after all, is the season when our our whole bodies come alive to something else, some clarion call, some siren's call, something telling us the only place to be is out in the world, like, like flowers whose only concern is pivoting to find the sun, find our way into each other's robust company. It's the time for serious things like spitting watermelon seeds and riding the pendulum flow of a hammock and, and getting lost in reverie with a blade of grass between our teeth. It's what we're made to do this time of year. Can you feel it? American poet Ogden Nash understood he writes in his poem, I didn't go to church today. I didn't go to church today. I trust the Lord to understand. The surf was swirling blue and white, the children swirling in the sand. He knows, he knows how brief my stay, how brief this spell of summer weather he knows when I am said and done, we'll have plenty of time together. Tony Hoagland, another American poet, also understood the undertow of summer. In his poem, Summer in a Small Town, he writes in part, summer, when the living is easy, and we store up pleasures in our bodies like fat for the coming season of privation. All August, the Ferris wheel will turn in the little amusement park and screaming teenage girls will jump into the river with their clothes on, right next to the sign that says, no swimming, trying to cool the heat inside the small towns of their bodies for which they have no words, obedient to the voice inside them, which, inside which tells them, now, steal pleasure. Summer that tells us all now, steal pleasure. Leave your time with God for rainy Sundays or eternity. 
or invite the God of your understanding to play with you in the swirling surf of blue and white. Do it all while you can and ignore the signs and the voices that forbid such abandon. I'm sure that all of that is part of what has gotten our country into its current rise of cases of COVID. I think it's just woven into our DNA, my friends, that pull. But for the rest of us, the rest of us law-abiding citizens of infinite discipline, we are all, I think, if you are like me, feeling a bit like Odysseus lashed to the mast of his ship when he unplugs his ears to hear the siren's call, but wanting to protect himself against what would trick him into going toward it. For so many of us, there is less freedom to roam and permission to steal pleasures of the kind that we are used to stealing in summer. But like Robert Smith's cat in the poem that we read this morning, it has us all a bit wild inside, doesn't it? Scratching a bit at the proverbial door. Astronomer Rebecca Elson, who was also a poet, was also a poet, captured the feeling, I think, in a perfect metaphor of summer in her poem, Flying a Kite. She writes, it seems to me the kite has all the fun, the view, the weightlessness, the wind, ecstatic shudders, tail streaming out, the urging higher, the exhilarating dives. And me, down here, left holding the string. Oh, to be the kite, right? With the view and the ecstatic shudders and the weightlessness and the exhilarating dives to be for a spell anything that flies and is free. But we, we are for a bit the child anchored to earth, all restraint, left holding the string. And we are doing great, all of us. We are adapting. We are Zooming, we are live streaming, we are social distancing, we are masking, we are breathing through the uncertainty and the thick layers of cotton and filter. And why wouldn't we be, as Rebecca Elson says in another of her poems, Evolution, we, we are survivors of immeasurable events flung upon some reach of land, small, wet, miracles without instructions, only the imperative of change. As the inheritors of an entire genetic lineage of adaptation from our time as stardust until we crawled onto Earth, we are the creatures who survived and continue to survive immeasurable events, urged on by the ancestors. We, all of us, this legacy of small, wet miracles, born into the world without instructions and only this imperative of change that we step into. So we can do this, 
We are. In her poem, the poet compares human nature to the ocean from which we came. Mary Oliver reminds us, the sea can do craziness. It can do smooth. It can lie down like silk breathing or toss havoc shoreward. It can give gifts or withhold all. It can rise, ebb, froth, like an incoming frenzy of fountains, or it can sweet talk entirely, as I can too. And so, no doubt, can you, and you, Like the sea that birthed us, we can live a whole spectrum of what life shakes free and demands of us right now. We can froth and lie down like silk, ebb and flow and storm and do all of it and still hold together. But that doesn't make it easy, especially right now, maybe. It's been long already. Yet, like the spring and summer plants turning toward the light, we also pivot, don't we? Slowly, but not too slowly, to what gives us light, warmth, hope. Part of what seems to give us light is the natural world, isn't it, my friends? If we cannot make a journey to the Grand Canyon with its petri dish rest stops and roadside COVID risks, anything outside our doors will do these days. Long walks across the urban jungle and storybook parks of our city, or short drives to hike or dip our toes in the ocean and sand. In these places, we can be a little bit like the kite taking in the gorgeous views and the currents of the wind. In her poem, Hum, Hum, Mary Oliver writes of such ordinary thrills and the spirit and soul feeding of them all. She writes, the resurrection of the morning, the mystery of the night, the hummingbird's wings, the excitement of thunder, the rainbow in the waterfall, wild mustard, that rough blaze of the fields. The mockingbird replaying the songs of his neighbors. The bluebird with its unambitious warble, simple yet sufficient. The shining fish, 
the beak of the crow, the new colt who came to me and leaned against the fence that I might put my hands on his warm body and know no fear. We know again and again in our walks and hikes among nature, the partners we have in the races of endurance that have always been part of the journey of life on this planet, even long before we were in it. We walk by trees that have seen wars and survived plagues of their own species, have grown scarred over hurt places but healed, and we start to be aware of more and more the symphony of life that is orchestrated by some conductor only partially revealed, playing out a score we will never hear finished. Walking alive and lost in nature these days is an exercise in reconnection to deeper, longer stories than this one chapter we are caught in. Home maybe is the other main place of reconnection available to us, a place many of us are seeing differently like the cat in Robert Smith's limerick with pandemic and cat, we find, I think, some deeper truths right under our own hearth, as ancient stories have told us, they always lie. Find the joy of curling up in spaces where others leave warm places. Maybe, maybe more solitude we find or maybe the experience of not enough, things bubble up when the circumstances around us don't change. I think we make space for the attention to the things that bubble up. Maybe it's yearnings of all kind. Who do we break bread with? What life have we built? Hemmed in at home, we learn with pandemic and proverbial cat that Harsh times absolutely demand we not bury our heads in the sand, but acknowledge at least this inquisitive beast who's determined to know where we stand. Like the cat, determined or not, we figure out these days where we stand. The underlying beauty of ordinary life and places where we know and cannot run from what still needs doing and fixing and filling up in us and also all the sources of delight in the life we already have. Attention, said Mary Oliver, is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. That with attention comes this different kind of seeing, a, a depth perception. To see a world in a grain of sand, as William Blake wrote in Auguries of Innocence, and heaven in a wildflower hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity 
in an hour. We have possibly been doing a lot of that lately. And knowing the ocean of loss that we swim in intimately these days, knowing it intimately. We also know the joy that breaks through and shows up in the midst of it. Surprised by it some days. For to quote Blake again, joy and woe are woven fine. A clothing for the soul divine. Under every grief and pine runs a joy with silken twine. And how well the poet is our companion in all of this, as Mary Oliver says in Hum Hum, we listen to the words of poets a hundred or hundreds of years dead, their words that would not be held back. And we come to know those words maybe as our own, understand them as our own. And perhaps in these days we're finding new ones of our own, like young sparrows bursting from the shell, as Audre Lorde described such moments. Then life in this pandemic summer and the fall and winter to follow, maybe, maybe becomes over time a prayer, as Joy Harjo would describe such a thing. To pray, you open your whole self to sky and earth, to sun and moon, to one whole voice that is you. And know there is more that you can't see, can't hear, can't know, except in moments. So may we grab hold of such moments Words that speak to our knowing and our unknowing, rest it all from the muse within, catch hold of the silken thread that weaves between us and through the life force everywhere, a force that loves to be seen and known and named and cries for devotion and urges us always, pandemic summer or not, in ways small and large, urges us now, now too, sees pleasure. Blessings of summer and of the fullness of our lives to us all. Amen.